Scripture reading this morning is going to come from Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verses 23 through 24. Acts chapter 11, verses 23 through 24. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. The word goodness is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 tells us that when God is having his way in our lives, when we're being led by the Spirit, that's the language Scripture uses there in Galatians 5, when we're listening to God's Word and we're putting it into practice in our lives, what will result is always the same. And it's always these qualities that you read in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. I want you to think in your mind right now, is there anyone that you have known or maybe you know presently that you would say is full of goodness? I'm talking about a person that every time you meet them, you know that they have your best interests at heart, that doing good is what they're all about. Do you know anybody like that? Is there anybody in your experience that you could say was a good person? If you would ask first century Christians, do you know anybody like that? They would all immediately point to one man, Barnabas. Boone read about him just a moment ago in Acts chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. One of the only places in the Old Testament where it is ever said that he was a good man. And only of Barnabas is that said. He is a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. The Bible tells us, though, brothers and sisters and friends, that if God is having his way in our lives, that goodness will be the result in ours. That people will see goodness in us. And somebody says, well, I don't really understand the word, maybe. I'm not really sure what goodness is all about. Let me say it this way. Goodness is closely related to kindness. It's very closely related to kindness. The idea of kindness is love in action, love that expresses. Because of the way God has treated us, we show kindness to others. And goodness is related to that concept. The idea that everywhere I go, because of how good God is and because of who he is and because of my relationship with him, I want to show his goodness to others. Somebody has paraphrased the idea of goodness this way. They've said, you and I ought to be about the business of doing as much good as we can to as many people as we can, in as many ways as we can, for as long as we can. Think about that. Doing as much good as we can to as many people as we can and as many ways as we can for as long as we can. That's the concept of goodness. It's the idea that there's a standard of what's right and what's good. By the way, one of the great plot lines in just about every novel 
is the conflict between good and evil. And there's a standard of what is good. And so Christians are people that look at God and they see the standard of goodness and they say, I wanna be like that. I wanna show that kind of goodness to as many people as I can in as many ways as I can for as long as I can. I want to be full of goodness. You and I, if God is having his way in our lives, we ought to put goodness into practice. And my challenge for you this week is to think about how goodness relates to the way that you're living your life and your relationships with others and your relationship with God first and foremost. And let me share this with you this morning. Goodness is all about three things. Number one, goodness is all about recognizing what's good first of all. It's about about recognizing what's good. It's about seeing what is good and what's not. And guess what? Everybody has trouble with that. Our generation certainly does, but we're not the only ones. This has always been a problem, recognizing what's good. You remember back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three, when the serpent was tempting Eve and the Bible says she looked at the fruit and she saw that it was good. She she looked at it, it was appealing to her. We have trouble recognizing what's good and what's not good. We have trouble with that. Most people, most people, and you and I have done this, they decide what's good based on their mood, or based on what somebody else has said is good, or they decide what's good based on what everybody else is doing. We decide what's good based on a lot of things rather than listening to what God says and letting God be the one who determines what's good and what's evil, what's right and what's wrong. Recognizing good is a huge problem and a huge difficulty and we'll never be filled with goodness, we'll never bear the fruit of the Spirit in this regard if we don't give some attention to recognizing what's good. Three statements that I'd like to make. Statement number one, along these lines, is that God himself is uniquely and intrinsically good. When you read scripture, that's what it teaches, that God is the standard of what's good. He himself is uniquely good in a way that nobody else is, and he is intrinsically good in a way that nobody else is. There is light in God, he is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, John says in 1 John chapter one, verses one through seven. God is uniquely and intrinsically good. And you see this in two regards in God's character and nature. You see it, first of all, in what the Bible says he is, who he is. If you've got your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 18 and verse 19, when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You remember? But before he asks that question in Luke 18 verse 19, he calls him good teacher. He uses the term good. And Jesus responds this way, Luke 18, 19. Why do you call me good? And listen, no one is good except God alone. And what he's doing is challenging the rich young ruler to think more deeply about what he means by using this adjective, good. Who is Jesus after all? He's a good teacher, yes, but what does that mean? He is divine, he is God. No one is good but God alone. But for our purposes, the Bible's emphatic about the idea that God is good. Good is not good because God decided it is. Good is good because that's who God is. That's his character, that's his nature. 
In Psalm 100 verse 5, the scripture speaks about God being good. In James chapter 1 verse 17, the Bible speaks about God giving every good and perfect gift. God is infinitely and intrinsically and uniquely good. In all of his being, everything he does by definition is good. So it's not just about who he is, it's about what he does as well. The scriptures begin by telling us how the world was created in Genesis chapter one. And at the end of each one of the seven days of creation, God looked at his creation and said, it is good. And in Genesis 1:31, at the end of his creation, at the end of those six days, the Bible says God looked at his creation and he saw that it was very good. Not only is God good in and of himself, it's his nature, it's his character, but what he does is good. Acts chapter 14, verse 17, when Paul was preaching to some pagans, he said, God has done good to you by sending rain and fruitful seasons and filling your hearts with food and gladness. God is good to you. And again, James 1.17, James says, God only gives good things. He doesn't give evil things to us. Everything that we receive from God is a gift and all of it is good. There is no variation. There's no change with God. If you and I want to be good, we're going to have to recognize what good is. And brothers and sisters and friends, the world needs to hear the message that good begins and ends with what God is and who God, what God does. Who God is and what God does. That's what goodness is. And secondly, as we think about recognizing what's good, we need to recognize this. God's commandments, because of who he is and what he does, all of those things by definition are good. What God commands is for our good. You got your Bibles open to Deuteronomy chapter 10. That's in your Old Testament, first part of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and look at verses 12 and 13. As, as uh, Moses is warning the Israelites about what it's going to be like when they get into the land, he challenges them in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. And he says, and now Israel, Listen to me, listen to Moses. What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I have commanded you today for your good. You see that at the end of verse 13? Why does God give us his law? Why does he give us his words? What are his commandments for? They are for your good. So think about this, it's an amazing thought to contemplate. There is a being who is infinitely good. He is the standard of what is good and what is right and what is noble and what is true. He's the standard of those things. He himself always does what's good and he's given us his word for our good. That's amazing to think about, isn't it? Isn't it interesting and arrogant of us? To look at his word and say, you know what, I don't agree with that and I'm not going to do that and I'm not going to respond to that. God has given us his word for our good and we ignore his words at our peril. It is to our shame and our everlasting destruction if we fail to heed and obey the words that God has given us. So if people are going to be full of goodness, we've got to recognize who God is. We've got to recognize that God has given us his commandments for our good. And then third, I want you to think about this. By default, here's the other side of the coin. To redefine what is good is sin. 
to take what God says is good and twist it and change it and redefine it and to say, what the Bible says is not good, what I want is good. My desires, society's constructs, those are good, but what the Bible says is evil. The Bible says to redefine what is good is actually sin. Watch this, Isaiah chapter five, verse 20. People in our day need to hear this like never before. Woe, W-O-E, that is a prophetic warning, the most serious kind of prophetic warning. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who get things backwards. Woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto you when you change the definition and the description of what is good because goodness is all about God. It's all about his character and his nature. It's all about what he does. It's all about what he says. It is good to heed the words of God and to listen to Almighty God and to do what he says. That's what the Bible tells us good is. And you and I are gonna have a very skewed definition of goodness if we don't start with God and with his word. And if we don't allow God and his word to be our anchor and our guide, if we don't allow God and his word to be the rule and measure of what is and is not right and what is and is not good and what is and is not healthy and holy. Can I just be very blunt? What God says about the family is good. And anybody that disagrees with what the Bible tells us about the family and the way we ought to relate to one another in a family, what a marriage is, who constitutes a marriage, what a marriage is all about, whoever disagrees with those things and says, well, I, I, I don't see that and I don't wanna live by that, we are redefining what's good. Whatever the Bible says about the nature of the church, how many churches did Jesus die to build? How many churches has Jesus made promises to? When the Bible speaks about the church, it speaks about one church. And our plea with everybody is, let's just go back to the standard. Let's go back to what God says is good and let's do what God says is good and right. Let's do that. Because woe unto us if we start saying, I disagree with God's design, I disagree with God's architecture, I don't think that he did everything just right, and so let's do it our way. We are redefining what is good. Woe to us if we do that. People who are full of goodness, the fruit of the spirit of goodness, people who are full of this, full of goodness, they recognize first and foremost what's good. And what's good is all about God and about his word. Secondly, this morning, you will never be filled with the fruit of goodness if you don't love what is good. Let me share a couple of passages with you. Titus chapter one, verse eight, in a description of the qualifications of elders. A man cannot be an elder. He is not qualified to serve as an elder if he is not hospitable and if he is not a lover of what is good. You see that? We're not just talking about he's a good guy. That's, that's not what we're saying. It's not what the scripture says. It says he loves what is good. This is a passion for him. You think about the way we use the word love. He loves good things. He loves what God says and who God is and what God does. He is a lover of what is good. Again, in Romans 12 verse nine, let love be 
without hypocrisy. Let it be sincere. Abhor, that is hate what is evil and cling to or hold fast to what is good. Brothers and sisters and friends, we're gonna struggle with loving what is good. It is a challenge because the devil is alive and well and this world has a lot of things to put in front of your eyes to say, you know, this could be good as well. I know the Bible says one thing, but this could be good too. We're never gonna be full of goodness if we don't love what is good. And parallel to that, you can do a lot of good things with your life, but not mean it. You can do a lot of good to others and be just as apostate from God and just as angry and bitter in your heart as anybody, but still be doing good things. It's about loving good. Filled with goodness, do you love what's good? Do you love things that are good, that God says are good? Do you love those things? Does your life show that you love those things? Consider the following. People who love good, I know the print's gonna be kinda tiny and I'm gonna go kinda fast, but listen to what I'm saying. People who love good, number one, they do good freely and willingly. That is to say, you don't have to drag them, kicking and screaming to do what's good. You don't have to, you don't have to manipulate and prod and cajole. You don't have to do any of those things to get people who love what's good to do good. You don't have to just, if there's something good to do, they'll do it. Look in your Bibles in the New Testament at Philemon, the book right before Hebrews, one chapter book, Philemon. And look at verse 14 and how Paul encourages his friend Philemon. Philemon verse 14, listen. He says in Philemon verse 14, I preferred Philemon to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. Why do you do what's good? Why'd you come to church today? Why'd you assemble? Did you assemble because you wanna do this? Because you love what's good, you love worshiping God, you love being with God? Did you do it for those reasons? Or did you do it because somebody else was dragging you? Or because, well, it's just what we always do. Because people who are full of goodness, they love good. They don't do things out of compulsion, but freely and willingly. You see the difference? It's about how and why we do good. People who do good, secondly, they do good, brothers and sisters, as a matter of integrity. This is about who you are when nobody else is watching. People who are full of goodness are about doing the right thing, the noble thing, the just thing, even if nobody else will ever find out. Psalm 26, verse one, vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Goodness, brothers and sisters, is about who you are when nobody else is gonna find out. It's about what you do when nobody's watching. That's goodness. Goodness, number three, is about being glad when others do good. Getting over the jealousy thing, getting over envy, not looking at somebody else and saying, well, that may be good, but you know, and then, you know, finding chinks in their armor. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 15 tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I tell you something, it's hard enough to weep with those who weep, but it's really hard sometimes to rejoice with those who rejoice. People who are filled with goodness are like Barnabas, who saw the grace of God and was glad and encouraged his brethren to continue in the grace of God because he was a good man, Acts 11, 23 and 24. They are glad, they're not jealous or envious when others do good. Continuing, people who love what's good do not do evil so that good may come. Romans 3 verse 8, if you love what is good, you're not going to do what's evil so that some good result might come. Situation ethics, the end justifies the means. It's okay to tell a little white lie. It's okay to be deceitful or dishonest as long as a good result happens. That's not the way people who love good operate. After all, who gave you the right to decide when it's okay to disobey a commandment of God? Who gave you the right to decide when it's okay to ignore what God has plainly said is good? Who gave you that right? And how do you decide when that right should be exercised? Where's the passage in scripture that tells you, oh, it's okay to do this, even though people who love good do not do evil just so that good may come. People who love good do more than what's required. You still got your Bibles open to Philemon? Look down at verse 21. Philemon has a lot to say about doing good. Philemon verse 21, they do more than what is required. Paul says, I am confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you, Philemon, will do even more than I say. Why? Because Philemon loves what's good. And he loves to do good. And he loves because this is the way Jesus lives his life. This is the way that God teaches us to be. He loves to bless other people, to do as much good as he can, to as many people as he can, in as many ways as he can, for as long as he can. That's Philemon's character, doing more than what's required. And then this, brethren, people who love what's good, they rejoice in the same things that make God rejoice. They rejoice in the same things that make God rejoice. Luke 15, verses 1 through 32, the Pharisees and scribes were angry because Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors. How could he do that? And Jesus tells three parables in response, and the parables are all about joy, all three of them. The woman lost her coin, but she found it, and she rejoiced. The man lost his sheep, and he went and found it, and he rejoiced. The father lost his son, and his son came home, and he rejoiced. The whole point of the parables is that God rejoices over certain things and you are not rejoicing. That's the whole point of the parable. Do the things that make God rejoice make you rejoice? It's about goodness. It's about being filled with the fruit of goodness. The things that make God overjoyed. The things that God expresses joy about, do those things, the salvation of souls, the return of those who need to repent, the the idea that God's word is going out into all the world, do those things cause joy to our hearts and our souls? It's about goodness. And while I'm on the subject, we do not become New Testament Christians and we don't remain New Testament Christians by only asking questions like, well, what's wrong with it? Where does the Bible say I can't? There is an attitude that has become pervasive among our society that says, 
You know, there's a standard of what's good and there's a standard of what's right. Okay, all right, I'll grant you that. But how far can you go? How close can you get to the edge before you're violating, before you're, you're sinning? People who are interested in goodness and love what is good, they don't ask that question. Because what I want to do with my life is find out what makes God rejoice and what makes God pleased. And I, I want to do as much good as I can to as many people as I can in as many ways as I can for as long as I can. I want to do that. And if I'm going to do that, I don't have time to sit around wondering how far can I get? How close can I get to the edge? And, and when do I step over? And when do I start sinning? Stop asking those questions. Those are not the right questions to ask. The questions you ask are, how can I glorify and please God, and how can I do as much good as I can to as many people as I can? That's how you practice New Testament Christianity. That's how the fruit of goodness happens in our lives. And we've got a problem. I'm telling you we've got a problem in that a lot of us, a lot of us are going through our lives thinking, well, if, if I can just, you know, if I can just go through the motions I can be pleasing to God and not really love what's good. And I'm telling you, you can't do that. You cannot live your Christian life and be some kind of critic or some kind of sarcastic guy that, or lady that sits there and says, you know, well, I'm not going to do everything God says, and I'm certainly not going to put my heart into it. You can't live your life that way. You just can't. Loving what is good is essential to goodness. And if you don't love what is good, you got a heart problem. There's just no other way to say it. Do the things that make God rejoice make you rejoice? You can choose what you rejoice in. It's about loving what's good. And then third, if goodness is going to be what we're all about, doesn't it seem obvious? It's inherent in the word itself, the word meaning there in Galatians 5.22. We've got to do what's good. And the New Testament has a ton to say about doing good. Let me just share with you some passages. Galatians 6 verses 9 and 10, the same book in which we read about the fruit of the Spirit. Paul concludes that book by saying, Christians, let us not grow weary in doing good. Don't get tired of it. For in due season, we will reap if we do not lose heart, if we don't give up. Therefore, he says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Christians are serious about the work of doing good. And we're not supposed to grow weary in doing good. I'll tell you something by experience. Sometimes I grow weary of doing good. How about you? Sometimes I grow weary, but the Bible's saying here, it's not about just your attitude, it's about, it's about what do you do in those times when doing the next right thing, the next good thing, the next noble thing, what about when the next noble thing is there in front of you, what do you do, what choice do you make? Don't grow weary, that's the point. Don't grow weary in doing good, why not? Because this is the way of Christ. Acts 10, 38, he went about doing good. This glorifies God. Let, let people see your good works so that they might glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. Doing good shows a new nature in us. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, Ephesians 2, verse 10. It's how we bear fruit. Colossians 1, 10, bearing fruit unto every good work. Doing good is how we fulfill our mission as we just read in Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10. Don't grow weary of doing good, but instead... Do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. That's your mission. It's what we're all about. 
It demonstrates discipleship. We are his peculiar people, zealous for good works. Titus chapter two and verse 14. Goodness, brothers and sisters, is not just a nice thought and it's not just subjectively what you and I think are good ideas. Goodness is about looking at the standard. It is God, it is who God is, what God does, and what God says in his word. That's the standard of what's good and what's right. And goodness is about aligning our lives with the standard, loving what is good, and then doing what is good. My prayer for you is that you will be filled with the fruit of good works, Colossians 1 verse 10. And my challenge to you is twofold. I want you to think about this this week. Before you start shuffling your papers, I know your notes are at an end, listen to me. I know what you, I know what you guys are doing. I see you, all right? Number one, I hope that you will start praying to have a more discerning heart regarding what's good because it's really hard to know. When you watch the news, when you talk to the people sitting next to you in the next cubicle at work or the next desk at school, when you talk to people, their sense of what's good is completely twisted from what the Bible says is good. And I hope and I pray that you will start praying and asking God and looking at his word to have a more discerning heart concerning what is good. Because it's just assumed now that some of the things that the Bible calls evil are actually good. It's just assumed. How could you be so archaic? How could you have such a different philosophy, a different design? How could you? I hope you'll pray about that. And number two, I hope that you will adopt this mantra. I want to do as much good as I can to as many people as I can in as many ways as I can for as long as I can because God is good and I want to reflect his goodness in my treatment of others. And I will say to you, there are some Christians who are living their lives and everywhere they go is strife and division and contention and animosity. How can you be filled with goodness if that's what you leave in your wake everywhere you go? Be good for God's sake because you belong to Jesus Christ. Look at the standard build people up, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Maybe you need to obey the gospel this morning. The commandments of God are there for your good. He has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you so that you could be redeemed, so that you could be bought back, so that you could have a relationship, a connection with him. And when you're connected with him, you'll bear the fruit of the spirit as you walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Goodness. Believe in Jesus Christ, confess his name, repent of your sin, be baptized for the remission of your sins. That's how someone becomes a Christian. That's what God says is his way for us to have a relationship with him and then walk with God all the days of your life doing good. 
we can help you obey the gospel this morning, won't you come all together? We stand and while we sing.